0: And what I realized there again is that there are patterns. So in architecture, we were talking about um, building vibrant skyscrapers. So making Singapore the new Hong Kong. That's what they wanted to do back then. Yeah. Um, And um, if I looked at the the architect was telling, yeah, and we are building the skyscraper and there is a layer with escalators, there is a food court. And if you compare this to IT architectures, there's a data layer, there is some kind of extraction layer, which is an escalator. That's very true. And the fun fact was the architect never wanted to hear this because he said they are are unique.
1: Unique. Of course, yes. I think it's similar. (laughs) What's up, folks? I'm your host, Hadley Christoffels, and you're listening to A Curious Life, the show where we delve into how the trait of curiosity has impacted the lives and careers of our guests, campfire-like discussions that serve as a window into the essence of who they are. Today's guest is a guy after my own heart, Dr. Michael Zimmer. He strives to enjoy work and does his best to make sure that those around him do too, and more importantly, enjoys the time he spends exploring the curious mind of his little boy. So today... We get a window into the life of a guy who loves all things data as much as I do. Dr. Michael Zimmer, <laughs> welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for being here. Cool, cool. Listen, uh, I've really been looking forward to this, to this, this conversation, to to finding out what's behind you. I've always kind of, you know, read your 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 posts online and and the papers that you've written. And I just find it, yeah, you know, that mix between, um, between deep thinking and humor, and just, you know, um, yeah, zest for life. And uh, I see that in you. I, I kind of, I uh, identify with that, you know. And um, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to finding out what's behind the man.
0: I hope. Um um yeah much <laughs> but we'll see you ask the questions <laughs> cool <laughs> um, okay cool yeah
1: so so number one now look i always ask my guests right at the start is what does curiosity mean to you
0: so i think in the beginning if i think of curiosity um, i think about my youth and um, i think it was an australian tv show called curiosity show um, where they showed all kind of research things so that comes to my mind If I look to it literally, curiosity is for me, um, so I want to have fun at work. I want to um, develop new things, get new ideas. So for me, uh, it's important um, to be curious because it helps me to redefine myself, got to understand new things, uh, and also to become a better me, Um, personal business, but also from a um, family point of view. So, um, it's important to learn and be curious.
1: Yeah. Now I know, I know that, that, you know, you have a young lad and that, you know, uh, again from your posts, I see that you're very, uh, involved dad, an active dad and kind of play out your curiosity through your son as well. How would you say, um, curious or what, what part do you think curiosity plays in, in the development of a child? So
0: I think in the end, um, uh, growing up and um, for a kid, it's about stimulations that we have to give them. So we have to be there. We have to talk with them. We have to interact. But in the end, they want to understand the world. They want to see the things and they want to be curious with their own eyes. So I think for me, um, curiosity is something that is driving the kids. Um, They don't know it, but they want to explore. They have to explore and maybe it's also by evolution that they have to do it because um there is a german kids show where they are saying in the the theme who isn't asking um stays um, dumb and i think it's like that you have to ask you have to be curious and that's what kids are doing and i think that's something that we can learn for them and also there is no stupid question um it's only stupid not knowing and being um, afraid of asking something um because we all have to learn.
1: I I agree and it's 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 actually being the confidence in yourself to ask a question where you don't think not knowing is what defines you. So let me ask you a question doc. Children seem to have this natural innate curiosity kind of built into them. Do you think that as we get older and as adults that that what seems to be innate in children gets suppressed as you get older? So
0: I I really think um it is because it's, People think they have to be formal. They have to fulfill some some um, rules. And I think we want to be straightforward. Nevertheless, um, being curious, asking questions um, is important. And um, my wife normally calls me her third child. Um, and I think um, it's a compliment.
1: <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, my wife does the same for me.
0: And... So I want to be curious, and if you look at my LinkedIn posts or stuff with the family, I want to show the people that they that there is family life, that you can learn, that you don't have to be um, um, too strict or fulfill all kind of um, laws. So I'm chief data officer of an insurance, and I'm running around nowadays in t-shirts in some situations, yeah. and it's good because um, we can. And um, just um, wear, wearing a formal shirt doesn't make me a better person. And it's the same with asking questions and other things. So we have to be curious.
1: Com- completely agreed. It's the asking or, or not knowing something and having the confidence to ask questions um, about something you're unsure of. I, For me, I think that shows, um, you know, is something that, I think is positive rather than what some perceive to be negative and not wanting to be seen, not knowing an answer to something. Cause there's so much out there. You can't know everything, right?
0: That's a good point that you mentioned. So in consulting, I learned, um, sometimes it's good to ask. Um, also stupid, if you don't know, ask stupid questions, it's better to ask them because then you understand something. If not, you won't speak the right language um and no one will um harm you if you ask as long as they see you want to understand and you you are rolling up your sleeves um to support them but um, never be afraid of asking um you should always ask
1: I, i agree and i think sometimes it's actually you get a fuller understanding than a lot of people that have been doing that job for a long time because the focus is narrow and i think asking questions. Around, you know, where things come from, where does it go? What do you do with it? I don't understand this. What do you mean by that? Because, you know, people can have different understandings about the same thing and have been working together for five years. <laughs> um, you know, it, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but it's, I've, I've seen it so many times.
0: Being a sponge for information and um, take all kind of information is really good. So like a sponge is squeezing in the water, we should then squeeze in the information.
1: Okay, but listen, this is a show about you, Doc. So um, let's go to the beginning. Normally what I tell people is, imagine this is, we're all sitting around a campfire, everyone's telling their life story, and Dag, you're it. Um, What were your parents like? What was early life like? Did you have siblings?
0: So um, I got a sibling when I was older, but my early life was I grew up um, in a normal middle-class German family. Had the situation um, that my parents got divorced. For me, this was a thing um, where I decided instead of being, um, um, let's say, the, the ball who was kicked around between the lawyers of my mom and my dad, I said, okay. I want to go to my grandma and decided, um, with six or seven years, um, that I want to live, um, with my grandma and she became my second mother or I became her, um, son number four, because, um, she had eight kids, uh, seven kids, eight with me. Okay, Okay. cool. And, um, I grew up there, um, with my aunts um, and uncles and was able to learn quite much.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, that, that's actually a story that resonates with me. I spent a massive part of my childhood growing up with my grandma, also on my mom's side. Uh, and in fact, you know, they were eight kids as well, but of varying different ages. Uh, and to me, they they almost became like brothers and sisters rather than aunts and uncles because I, I spent so much time there. But what was it like for you then and living with your aunts and uncles and what kind of influence did they have on you?
0: So... um. were older so my uncles and aunts were um about 30 years older um 20 to 30 years older than i was so for them i was um, the little nephew and they supported me so um the uncles learned me how to become um to to do things in the house repair things um my aunt um, who was around in academic um, supported me with computers i was standing next to her for hours and um, looking how she worked i learned how to use shortcuts in um in word she she bought me her fir- my first computer awesome um, and i did some programming but also for she um she um, um she raised my interest to german punk bands with let's say um um, um lyrics that are um, critics to to society. And this also helped me to to, to look behind um, cool. um, the happy life of a middle-aged class.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind the scenes, essentially, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. How did that kind of exposure to computers then influence you and what you're doing today? Did it have an influence or was it, what was the route, at least to through schooling, to... Uh, what you chose at university?
0: So for me, um, um, a computer, um, indifference to my friends, they used it as a toy. Play games. Most of them. Play games. Um, yeah. I used it as some kind of um, tool. I also played, but I also knew how to change registries, uh, install things, repair things. Um, nevertheless, I never was, um, let's, let's be in some kind of... Um, um boxes i never was the nerd so i was listening to hip-hop um, was skateboarding um, and all the skin so of, kind of things partying yeah but what i realized when i become older also in school um for me education was important but um i did it because i was good at it it wasn't hard for me and the nerds in the end were the more cooler guys than our um and our partying guys because when I realized that they are good at it, they like what they do it's not I have to learn to become successful because they learned because they liked it or, or it was easy to them. yeah the, this was interesting to me and with the computers for example, I also learned quite much with them um, yeah I re- computers were part of me but never like the programming geek for the whole time so
1: sure. So you had a varied existence. You liked different things, and you were exposed to different things. And computers just happened to be one of them.
0: Yeah, and I also think um, I also was part of many groups, and this also helps me nowadays. So, gotcha. Um, the skater guys, the rap guys, the computer guys, um, the old friends at schools.
1: So you can you can speak to different people essentially.
0: Yeah. The only sad thing is, um, or not that thing, but compared to friends of mine, they had their group of friends. Um, it was twenty-one, and they are together with them um, for ages. For me, it's I had friends out of every group, so I don't, I can't go to a place and meet all of my friends because they are separated all over. Gotcha. But if I look at my job, it helps me to translate nowadays because. I think I learned much about different people there too.
1: Yeah, and and I guess that is also because of that sense of curiosity. Is is uh, I think you know it's hard to to not want to know uh, more about different people, about different subjects, about different just different things, right? Because that innate sense of curiosity is almost a like a magnet. <laughs> you you want to know more stuff. I, I was I was similar to you, in fact, where you know it, it wasn't just a specific group of friends. I liked people and i like learning about new people so um also very varied and and let's just through school and and to university what was it like in school and and what was it in the end that kind of led you to choose the degree you chose
0: so i think in in school i was a okay um, student i could have been better but i didn't do My decisions there for a reason so i went to primary school i got the approval for the german a level and i was in there so i was floating with the others um, and um succeeded but i didn't do it for any reasons because i was at the gymnasium which is called in germany um i did my best um to or did enough to succeed but not more um I think um the uh, the choice of um of um, subject for the university came so computer was part of my life um ah. since I was 6 so as my mom worked at IBM I also got the the old computers quite easily too Nice what what did she do at IBM by the way Um she was some kind of um only supporting um, for um, audit and compliance, and she was also assistant, um, but no tech job. So she was, um, in that age, the the classical mid-educated um, wife who was doing a job there. Nevertheless, IBM, back in the days, was a really good um, place to work for.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I, I suppose even now, I mean, they're a pretty big company and and... and- back then it wouldn't have been you know um i I guess would have been somewhat earlier days right even to to ibm and their growth and becoming this massive big blue
0: yeah so it it was nice um but if i look look back why i choose um the subject so as i mentioned um i was between already walking between different groups um I had to work um, part-time at school, Um, so I came into IT jobs because my um, geeky friends were programmers. They realized, okay, I'm not the the best programmer like they are. Nevertheless, I can do it. Um, I'm better in communication. And I started as a programmer in a small company for um, school software and ended up being the The hotline, um, release guy, going to the schools, talking to the teachers, getting requirements, understanding their problems. So there was the first thing where I realized, okay, um, becoming a programmer and studying um, pure IT is not what I want. And I went for information systems where I could combine business and IT and I never regretted
1: it. Uh. Well, I mean, as we know today there's a massive gap, and usually within businesses between i t and the business and having that common understanding so having that skill set is an extremely valuable um skill to have so and you realizing that that early on uh, i guess is is uh' it's pretty cool as well so your first job then what what happened kind of between your first degree going into your first job and you then doing your doctorate.
0: Okay. So um, I was one of the, Germany, we changed our um, university system from diploma to bachelor and master. So I was one of the guys uh, who did the first bachelor um, degree um, in Stuttgart, which was not so funny. 70 people started um, to do the bachelor, um, 11, Got the bachelor, so about <laughs> um, sixty people failed. Um, at least, wow.
1: Over what period of time was that that the dropouts happened?
0: Um, mainly in the first one and a half to two years, the the twelve to fifteen people. Um, um, they succeeded later on maybe not like me um in the normal period um, of the study time yeah but one or two years later gotcha but um we had a massive a massive dropout
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> and was it was it really difficult Is, or, or or did they just not like the content what what was the main reason
0: um in the past in germany you had some kind of pre-diploma and um, the diploma phases and um, in the pre-diploma it was about um Um, getting a a C and that's fine Um, but with a bachelor's degree um, they didn't realize that we had now um, 60% of such exams where you had a a a failure rate of 60 to 80% and we had also some classes where 100% failed (laughs)
1: Um,
0: and they didn't realize it and the really bad thing was they also didn't realize um, that it was important for us to get good grades from day one so um gotcha i got my bachelor's degree with a c and still with a c i was part of the top 10 of my peer group
1: whoa okay
0: so that's something you can't tell um but um with a bachelor in the pocket um i did my master's degree so with that so you
1: did it you did it immediately afterwards or did you go work somewhere first
0: Um, I worked part-time when I was studying. So I um, kept on um, doing the master's degree. Um, And um, while I did that, I also uh, made one in the end of the master's one um, semester um, in Singapore. So I started, um, I wanted to go to China, um, didn't manage to learn Chinese language. And then I thought, okay, let's go for Singapore. It's Asia. I wanted to check out if I can work there.
1: Cool. And what year was this, by the way?
0: Um, I think it was two thousand six.
1: Okay, two thousand and six. So, so I'm trying to kind of put that in the context of where Singapore was at that point in time, because you know, today, of course, it's it's um, it's a financial hub. Um, it was. You know. Two
0: uh, Marina Bay Sands wasn't there, but still, it was a quite impressive city. Um, yeah, it's still changing. And what-
1: so what what was it like? How long? So how long were you there for? About uh, a bit longer than four months. So, and and was that enough time to kind of get uh, engulfed into the local culture and people, or what? What what was your focus when you were there?
0: So I wanted to 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 see if I can live in Asia. So I focused on meeting um, um, students from Singapore, um, also exchange students from China, Taiwan, um, and other countries. So I spent much time in. Um, in, um, in uh, museums, together with them wandering around. Um, I also parted, but um, it wasn't um, the, the most important thing.
1: The main thing. Um, like yeah, others yeah, yeah. did.
0: So it was interesting and I understood um, Singapore quite well, I think. Also because of my subjects.
1: Gotcha. And I guess seeing that and getting to that through the eyes of local students, um, I mean, th- that is something that not many... People will, you know, experience.
0: But local, um, it was more impressive. than in the end of my studies, um, I met friends from China, also then from um, Taiwan, and I traveled to to Shanghai in the winter. And I lived um, at a friend's house. At first, his parents um, weren't able to to give me a room, um, so I lived some nights um, in the dorm room. Um, the real one for chinese person one of my uh, Ah. classmates um, was uh, in shanghai at the same time and said yeah it's like a hotel and the only thing that i'm realizing is that the 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 hand um, what is it the hand the handrails are not as high as in germany um, and (laughs) i was in the the real student home there was no um there was no heating um, we were sleeping on, uh, a mats, which made, uh, no mattresses. It was more or less like, um, uh, sleeping lit- on the floor linen. Um, yeah. there were four people in a room. It was interesting. I met many people, but there also, you could see, um, uh, a country, um, living in the country is different than living in some kind of expatriate bubble. Yeah. And it was yeah. the same when I was traveling around. With them, I was in a region where I was the only long nose. No one could yeah. speak um, <laughs> um, English. I couldn't speak Chinese. So I had my phone with me and um, called my friend. Chi, could you tell um <laughs> where I want to go?
1: Um, it
0: worked out quite well.
1: Traveling is something that impacts and, and changes mindsets and, and really kind of, you know, um, I think can have a significant impact on, on the individual and who they become. How did your time in Singapore and that time in China impact you?
0: I think it, so on the one hand, um, I had time to, um, to look left and right, to be curious. So almost all of my classes were finished. Um, so I was able to study, um, generic in Singapore. So I had classes about Singaporean society, about Chinese history, about architecture. And what I realized there again is that there are nice. patterns. So in architecture, we were talking about um, building vibrant skyscrapers. So making Singapore the new Hong Kong. That's what they wanted to do back then. Yeah. Um, and um, if I looked at the the, the architect was telling me, yeah, we are building the skyscraper and there is a layer with escalators, there is a food court. And if you compare this to IT architectures, there's a data layer, there is some kind of extraction yeah. layer, which is an escalator.
1: That's very true.
0: And the fun fact was the architect never wanted to hear this because he said they are, they are
1: unique. unique. Of course, yes. I
0: think it's similar. Uh, but I learned much um, out of curiosity there. And the other thing was, it was nice to see how other people live. Um, that there are other situations and that the the expat bubble that I mentioned is something completely different than living in the, the real dorm room um, and things like that. So I really like to see and um, the people I met there um, when I'm traveling to... Um, to to Asia to New Zealand or Australia. Normally, we make a stopover in Singapore and try to meet the people. Um,
1: okay, so you are still friends with them today?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. That's that's awesome. And you know, last question, just about this: the the architectures was. Uh, are there some prominent buildings that that that's? You know, you can point out today that you were speaking to the architect about, or is it just like one of those big skyscrapers? In
0: So what they were discussing was uh, in Hong Kong, there was, it was some of banking tower where they had, who um, were the first one who had some kind of light show. Um, and this was um, the biggest example for them. So back then, Singapore had some skyscrapers, but it wasn't the fancy Marina Bay sands um, things. Um, It was more or less like um, USA and Hong Kong had um, the lights, being vibrant, doing shows. And that's what they wanted to do. I think it was the HSBS tower or something like that, that they wanted to copy.
1: A quick shout out to our sponsor, Heights. In their words... Heights makes smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help us take care of our brains, so it can take care of us. I came across Heights when I set off on a trip, and surprisingly, it's still going, where I wanted to take better care of mind, body, and soul. So along with doing more exercise, drinking less alcohol, drinking more water, I wanted to be intentional about doing things that would help my mind be sharper. Long story short, I came across heights and found the short, snappy podcast episodes with qualified experts quite enlightening. But as my wife would no doubt agree, I've always been a huge skeptic when it comes to supplements and never felt compelled to take it regularly. Even my daughter got involved in trying to make sure I take the ones we have at home, (laughs) but not even that helped. Yet, here I was, receptive to new things, so I took the plunge with an initial three month subscription. And I'm still a customer today and feeling great for it. Now, I have no doubt that how I feel is as a result of all the changes I made, but I'm convinced that the supplements is playing its part. So if you want to give it a go too, wander over to yourheights.com and use a Curious Life 10 at the checkout for a 10% discount. Cool. So, I mean, this sounds like a really, really interesting part of of your life and and you know where you were exposed to a lot not just from an information perspective but also socially and culturally um and all of which are important part of who we are right okay so now the world of work like during this period you mentioned there was a part-time job what was that and where did it kind of go from there to where you are today so so kind of take us through that journey
0: so um since my times at school in 1999, um, I was working for the small software company. But besides that, um, I worked then as a as a researcher at a university chair. Um, I did some smaller jobs, and I also had a new hobby, which I think is quite important for me nowadays. I did the um, radio at the university radio, okay. where I learned to to stand to listen to my voice. <laughs> Um, and it also helped me to speak up, to speak before, um, big groups. And that's also important for me because as you've seen, um, I like speaking, I like being presenter, but it was part of studying. Um, and this was also, I think one of the reasons in the end I took one year longer, um, than the the normal period would be, but I learned quite much, um, and um, had the time to, to look left and right, to be curious again in the end.
1: Understood. Okay. And so, so from that job then, what was the next one?
0: So um, I had friends um, who did the PhD in consulting, so I thought it's quite interesting. I applied for the same consulting firm um, as an intern and um, wanted uh, did my master's degree there. Um, in the end, um, it didn't work out um, to get a job there. Um, nevertheless, um, one door um, closed, another opened, and um, I got an offer um, from uh, a small BI consultancy for a part-time job. A professor opened uh, opened up a role in um, information systems to to write a PhD, um, and it came together. And I got this without being stuck full-time in consulting. So in the end, um, gotcha. it was the better
1: choice. <laughs> Okay, okay, perfect. Did you start that job and left it, or, or you didn't actually do it at all?
0: So, um, um, apply- I applied for a job, and in the end, they told me, um, ah, I'm not the right guy for management consulting. I see. Which was a fun fact um, because, um, as an intern, I had a project where I built a BI solution for a pharma company. So, I was the customer, I was working as a consultant, not as an intern. But in the end, they said, um, yeah, you are not for management consulting, but if I look back, I think I made a mistake to also apply to another company and they heard of it and in the end, they weren't happy about that.
1: I see. okay, okay. so the a complicated situation. Um, okay, but so now you started this new role at the BI consultancy and again, you were because you seem to have had this this uh, you know mostly do work in academia in parallel, right? Which, which again, seems to be the case here. Yeah, you're saying you went into this BI consultancy while still being able to do your doctorate?
0: Yeah, so I was part-time um, doing consulting, um, 50% consulting, 50% PhD. Um, luckily, it wasn't um, that I had to work um, two and a half days um, every week. So there were weeks where I was fully at the university, other weeks where I was doing fully consulting. I see. But in both jobs, I was able to... Um, be supported and to also um, get, yeah, um, tasks. So in consulting, I was lucky. My boss, it was winter. um, He had an injury. He broke something. And then he mentioned, oh, and by the way, you have to go to the customer. It was, um, I think, month three um, at that company. um, And I was alone at a bank. Um, I did the job. And in the end, some people said, yeah, he was doing a good job, but um, no, he shouldn't be the project manager. He's too young. So the, um, the, what my boss did then, we were in a meeting with the old guys from the bank. He was sitting um, in the back of it. I was doing the presentation. Sadly, he didn't tell me that I had to do the presentation. So uh, (laughs) this was also a surprise for me. Oh, dear. (laughs) In the end, he nodded when I was saying something. He agreed on my outcomes. And um, we had two of those meetings. And after that, no one in the whole bank ever asked about my age again. So I had the reputation. Excellent. Um, And at the university, I was able um, to work on the agility topic. um, And also my professor gave, gave me in the end time to write. So this was um, important to succeed there too. Fantastic, and, and what was your PhD? Um, I did my PhD about um, agility in data architectures. So in, back in the days it was called data warehousing, um, but it was also already about um, calculation cores and text mining um, um, in banks. Those, those were also some cases where they industrialized. So cases that i'm building today at the insurance um were done with a different tool set 15 years ago
1: so it's i mean still very relevant today you know um the the topic at least because i think data platforms are are ever changing especially with the advent of cloud
0: the patterns um are still the same so um back in the days um, the the text mining was called agile data warehousing because it was all about the data warehouse they didn't think about the, the statistics or now data science and ai for them it was yeah, data provisioning but um, the sandbox approaches the, the governance structures that i defined in my um, phd i'm building similar architectures now the only thing that changed is um, we have now not only a data repository, we have also model repositories. It has to be linked. There are more powerful tools. But if I look back, the, the concepts that we described 15 years ago or started to describe 15 years ago, um, it was DevOps-like. It was agile. No one called it, but still they are valid.
1: No, I, I agree. I agree. And I think even just you know, with, with the hype around AI and ML, I mean, I think it might not have been possible to scale it in the same way that you can today, but, you know, due to things like massively scalable computing platforms, etc. Right. But it, it's not new. It existed. It, it's just, I guess on steroids today.
0: Yeah. But also I think the, the parallelization is a nice fact. I had a project um, doing some kind of um, some things for a German bank where um where we used to simulate a leaning um, algorithm and we wanted to parallelize. And back in the day, the processors weren't able to perform the calculations in the right way. So back in 2007, um, being on steroids with several CPOs wasn't um, that easy because the calculations were wrong. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And, and there's multiple parts to it. I think it's just, um, as you said, you know, there are trends, there are things that have been improved, but, not necessarily completely new. So what happens next? Where do you go to from there? So when do you, like when when you finish your PhD or, or when did you stop working at this BI consultancy? What happens next?
0: So um, I did my PhD um, and um, there I decided I have to, um, to see something else. So um, I applied in that case at one of the bigger firms, Accenture. Um, and um, due to the fact that I was working part-time, I also managed to um, show my future boss that I'm no, no consultant, which normally a PhD um, a freshman would be. I started as a manager
1: yeah.
0: and um, yeah, I started at Accenture and um, also um, there I was lucky with the bosses because um, they gave me the possibility to grow. So I came into the SAS topic where we got to know each other. Um, I was, um, after a while, the, the SaaS lead for German, Austria, and Switzerland okay. at Accenture. Um, so all SaaS projects. Um, okay. And um, besides that, um, I also could be curious, um, again, um, with um, um, organizing events, um, writing articles, um and um yeah, being there, getting to know people. And I think that's also another thing of curiosity. You have to be curious about people, you have to network, absolutely and you have to um talk to them and get to know them. And that's what I learned um at Accenture. Okay. And what also made it easy to me when the partner who hired me left Accenture, I said I follow him. Um, and some of my ex-colleagues, they spent months to think about Do they want to stay or not because they were at Accenture for 13 years? I knew um, I succeeded um, at Accenture um, and um, um, were able to build my network. So I will do the same at Deloitte where I ended up. Um, And um, this was also important for me. How long were you at
1: Accenture, by the way?
0: I was at Accenture about three and a half years so six or seven years PhD consulting about three ish years Accenture and now again three ish years Deloitte okay um and um for one year about one year now to Germany
1: okay cool and v- between like you know consulting for the big four like accenture and deloitte going from a a smaller kind of bi consultancy what was the differences and and what were the the most impactful things that you learned and were were i i guess added to you as an individual
0: so i think um one thing is accenture is the big delivery machine so um they know how to handle big projects everything is controlled um there were metrics um, when I was um, um, less than a percent um, um, away from my monthly goal. I had to show why. So they were really good managed. That's what I learned here. Okay. Uh, here, Plus, I also learned it's about the people because I like to, to be there for people. And I also got some kind of, um, in my year one, Also some kind of leadership award where the people said, you are doing a good job. You are helping us grow. Nice. So this was something where I learned. um, I never thought I could succeed there. Um, In the end, um, I was um, one of um, two managers who got such a prize. So this was also something it's worth being there for people. And if I look at Deloitte, um, they are more functional. And also if I look at my um, curious life. Yeah. Um, I have the delivery skills. I got more functional skills. And when I talked with some people, I said at Deloitte, I want to become more business-driven. I want to go from IT consulting to business consulting. And if you look where I ended now, I am now chief data officer um, and head of AIML. I'm aligned to the business um, in an insurance. So I managed to to get the knowledge to be also... um, am a business guy and not only the guy anymore who is um, 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 bringing data from A to B. Yeah. And this was also important for me. And there again, I wanted to understand, I wanted to to learn things. And I had discussions with people who said, hey, why are you doing a, a business analyst job? You are a manager. And I said, yeah, but for this project, it's important. I yeah. want to understand. And in those roles, I learned the most because I talked to the businesses. I understood their problems. Yes. And um, this was also important: being curious, even if the tasks um, on the the first side wasn't that interesting or wasn't that good for my career. In the end, um, it helped me to to be successful in business. Ah,
1: and and by functional, you mean the business side, right? So when you say Deloitte is more functional and you learn more functional stuff, you you mean from an SME perspective? Yep. Okay. So. What I guess what it looks like now, or at least what what I what I what I can see from this is that you you studied early on, and you you know you got the sense of bridging the gap between business and IT. You went through through uh, the smaller consultancy, but at in Accenture it was more building on that IT delivery machine. At Deloitte it was more the business side. So now in your role as CDO and head of AI ML at Zurich, you are able to bring all of that together.
0: Yes. Is that correct? Kind of. So I think that for me, the, the, the important thing now is I'm able to give, uh, I, I can talk with IT guys. I can talk with business guys. I know how to write a strategy so I can work top down. Um, I can give structure to people and I know that also the old data guy um, will um, listen to me because he know, knows I um, face the same problems he did and I'm not no gossiping guy who, who's, who knows nothing. So this helps. Um, but in the end, at the moment, for me, I think it's important now to, to guide in the right direction, to bring the people together and show them. What they need. So to talk with our IT guys, we need more consulting. We need no developers. We need people that um, consult to the business. But also my data scientists, they realize, yeah. Michael, maybe we should also bring in a developer in our team because we are not so good in industrializing. We are not so good in performance. So making the people grow and um, sh- giving them um, relevant skills. Um, yeah, and. Be curious to so that they make me, um, in the end, um, not needed anymore. So I think if they don't need me, I'm successful.
1: <laughs> sure, and and I guess this kind of naturally leads to one of the questions, and we're heading towards the end of 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 the interview now. But one of the questions I normally ask at the end is with this widespread uh, acceptance of the value that data and technologies such as AI and ML bring uh, being accepted, there is still a gap, and there is still a need to scale the realization of that value. And from what you're saying, you know, your role now is in fact, to bring different people together, that's the IT people, the developers, the business, and introduce this, uh, I guess, a or create a more data literate community so that Whatever you're doing with data is to reach certain objectives rather than, I guess, what was in, in, in times gone by, the data scientist sitting in a corner and creating data points that's then consumed by the business. Are you saying that in your role now, this is in fact what you're doing to bring all of these different people together in order to create value?
0: So I think the value is the relevant thing. So if you look at um, data science um, centers of expertise, at least in Germany, many of them were lighthouses or ivory towers. They did fancy stuff, but um, normally there was no value. So my key KPI is being beneficial, um, creating value, so that's important. Um, But I think at the moment um, data science, um, also data and analytics is no rocket science. But if you look at um, the the people in our insurance, um, we have people that are here and working um, for Zurich for 30 years. They they learned their job, they are doing a really good job, they are experts, but at the moment they are afraid of AI because people are saying, and by the way, in five years, your job is gone. Um, No, I don't think so. Your job will be more interesting because you will be the one um you won't be data scientist but you are the one who helps to train the model who helps to understand the data Um, and um, i'm trying to to show the possibilities of data and bring the data scientists that are doing the magic together with the people of the business and i think it's also relevant that we have to make sure academia is something nice for our ego but it has nothing to do with the success of a person And um, that's also something that we have to bring together. Um, And I think that's also something that um, is often forgotten. We have to make sure that all the people in the company understand why we have to become insight-driven, that it's no no risk for them or nothing bad, that it will be good. Um,
1: And... So what are some of the interesting things that you're working on right now?
0: So um, I started... um, eight months ago, nine months ago, um, we built uh, an AI platform in the cloud and we are able to deploy now um, uh, within, uh, let's say, less than an hour. Oh, wow. That's fancy from it IT perspective. Um, yeah,
1: and from a, a kind of a business perspective, what are some of the problems that you're solving?
0: Um, at the moment, um, so we are using um, text and picture, um, um, functionalities to extract IDs, to extract car documents, but also to go through um, um, claims information to identify fraud, regress. Um, and um, there are many value cases at the moment um, where we are working. And I think, but the important thing is that the business understands where they should ask for our help. Because in Request, for example, there is a, we will have a seven digit um, saving initially um, and then six digits with a um, combination of uh, picture, NLP and supervised learning. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see this, um, but we are starting. So um, I started nine months ago. Um, Three services are into production in the pipeline are 10 to 50 more oh, well done so at the moment my my problem is not um, having the use cases we just have to work on them and we will be be beneficial um, so we are having much fun
1: <laughs> okay well that that well and that's that's i think such such an important thing there and you have mentioned it a few times now but having fun while working um not to say that every day is a party you know but enjoying what you're doing is a good thing to have within your job yeah
0: but also that failing is um is not bad um yeah so if you fail there will always open new doors Um, and i think that's also something that the people have to understand you don't lose face because you fail um, you might lose faith because you fail too often, but then it's a pattern. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and
1: you want to try and fail as quickly as possible, you know, but use that as a stepping stone towards success. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, listen. Thank you for your time today, Doc. I've I've got I've got um, just one more question. Music to me is important, uh, an important part of my life, an important part of my creative process, or when I need to focus, or when I'm learning. Can you give us a song and the artist that has inspired or, you know, that you go to if you want to uh, focus or learn or just, yeah, enjoy? Can you give us a song and the artist that does that for you?
0: So I think um, I would give um, one song which influenced me a bit in the business. It's called Kompass ohne Norden and it's a German um, uh, hip-hop guy called Prince P. There is one um, part of the song where they are talk. so it's about um, people. Um, he's recapping his life, school, what happened to people. Uh, and there's one um, part where he meets his um, former classmate and he's talking about his fancy life, the fast cars, um, the money, the Rolex um, um, and all those things and in the end he's saying um, I looked into his eye and um, um, and he wants to yell because um, now he's a fish in the the pond but there's always a bigger one and with your life you're just ruining ruin your marriage um, and there's more than business because in the end he's just also only a small wheel in a bigger machine And I think that's important for me. Um, You shouldn't do a career for the sake of having status symbols. There's much to do and also family, having kids. um, Learning is important and um, just having status symbols um, is no good thing. And knowing that they're always someone stronger, bigger, better, faster yeah it's also something good to know um because there is a time where you will fail but you have to stand
1: up Uh, absolutely and 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 i think that that is what it's about right there's you don't make your career everything there's always more um and no matter what you achieve there's always someone that's going to achieve more and do better than you so you know focus on what you can and and be curious um around, I guess as you say, with your children, in your work, but with everything else as well. Um, okay no well listen Doc that was that was interesting. Um, uh, and thank you for giving us that little window into your world, into your life. Uh, really appreciate it and until the next time.
0: Thanks for the opportunity to speak.
1: Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, then please like, share, and subscribe. Original music created by SolarKid, produced by Spotcaster at Boabulb, and branding by Victoria at Generic, a MOax Sun company.